Welcome to the Fizzy Sherbet podcast and to another one of our Fizzy Chats. This episode is hosted by myself, Lily McLeish, and my co-host Tamara von Verten. And we are talking today to Heidi Wiley, who is the Executive Director of European Theatre Convention, and Sarah Sepulcre, who is Professor at l'Université Catholique de Louvain, and one of the lead researchers on ETC's study on gender equality and diversity in European theatres. So welcome. It's really a, a huge pleasure to have you here today. Hello. Hello. Really nice to be here. <laughs> yes. Where, where are you actually, Heidi? I'm based in Berlin. In Berlin. Great. This is where we have our office at the Deutsche Theater. Mm-hmm. And, and Sarah, where are you? I'm in Louvain-la-Neuve in Belgium. So this is the place where my university is based. And uh, Heidi, can I just ask, since you're the executive director of the European Theatre Convention, can you just tell us a bit more about yourself and and also what you do at ECC? Yes, you may ask. Um, Actually, I'm in a very um, wonderful and privileged position to be working with uh, some of Europe's most inspiring theatre creators and directors, as well as with um, some of the most influential political decision makers, all with the goal to create, present and support European theatre. And to do this in such a way that we um, create relevant theatre for today's and tomorrow's societies and to remain a relevant part of our our world, in a nutshell. (laughs) That sounds really exciting and interesting. It's it's a very um, rare position to be in as well, to, to combine those two world. Um, Sarah, can you tell us a bit about your work and and the study as well that you've been working on for ETC? Yes, I'm professor at the University of Louvain in Belgium. So um, I have the most beautiful job in this university because my research are on TV series. Um, So I made a thesis out of it. And I think I'm the only one in Belgium to do that. Um, And I work, I had the pleasure two or three years ago to meet Heidi and ETC um, because of my work on TV series, because I'm I'm working with a gender perspective um, amongst other things. And and I had the pleasure to come to an ETC convention to speak about that. And the research come out of that first meeting, uh, the idea of ETC was to check, and we will discuss about that, obviously, today, um, where are the women's and if diversity is a reality. And on the research, I was one of the co-coordinators with Annalisa Cassini, who is a professor in social psychology here in Louvain also. Uh, I, I must and I want to to quote the name of the people who work on the research at least once in the podcast. So Annalisa Cassini was my co-coordinator uh, and Sarah Watley, Anne Fromont and Lila Vaucher de la Croix work on it. Um, my job was more on the program because there are two, uh, two uh, uh, parts of the research. One 
uh, is a survey uh, amongst employees and people who work in theaters. And one is a uh, analysis of the program and the programmations and uh, the, the shows and the people who do the shows. Um, that was my job because I'm more a content analysis uh, expert. Fantastic. And so how, just to, let's, let's dive straight into the, to the study that uh, you conducted. How many theaters, and because I, th I think it's just an impressive thing, uh, just generally who was involved in ETC, but then also who got involved in the study. How many theatres and how many countries took part in this study? So at that moment, and it, it is different from part to part, actually. Mm -hmm. so, so it's not an easy answer. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Um, for the program, it was kind of easy. You, you can have the program, you can check online, and we have 17 theatres and we analyze 17 programs. I think ATC member at that time was 44 members, if I will remember, Heidi. Yes. Um, I think we could have uh, studied and analyzed 18 programs, but one was in a, a language that we don't, uh, well, we don't speak or even read. Uh, and this is one of the richness, but also problem when you study something in Europe, you have to deal with so many language. Uh, maybe we will talk about that later. About the survey, uh, there are two parts in the survey also. Uh, one is a survey um, that can, that, that went uh, around the internet and every employees in theaters could answer it. Um, uh, I think 33 theaters from 22 countries uh, uh, answer and respond to that survey. And the other survey was addressed to the directors and uh, HR manager. And 23 theaters from 18 countries uh, answer to that survey. So it's, well, it's not everybody in the theaters. It's for the programs, nearly half of it. And for the other, it's half or two thirds of the theaters, but it's not so bad actually. Uh, it's not always easy to have answers uh, in such a survey. Mm. Yeah, we were struck by the um, international sort of aspect of the survey uh, and uh, we were sort of, maybe we'll ask this question a bit later, but uh, you just said about languages. I mean, do you all sort of answer in English or do you, everyone answers in their own language or how does that work? Well, if we have a very huge amount of money, we could have <laughs> and translated in every language, but we don't. So it was in English, mm -hmm. and then we had the opportunity to translate it in German uh, also. Mm -hmm. This is one of the problem, actually, because we think that English is spoken and read and uh, uh, written by everybody, which is not the case, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not always easy to discuss and to answer a survey uh, in another in, in an in another language. Um, so I think it, it's really a, a problematic when you want to make a, a research among Europe. Uh, but this is the well, this is the way, in, this is the, the the union in which we're living. Uh, I don't know if Heidi have an insight about that. Maybe she knows better because she knows better than me the member of HTC uh, and. Actually, I was quite struck the first time I went to a convention to hear that all those people were talking English altogether. Um, but I don't know if you have an insight about that. 
I could definitely give you some insights, but maybe I would just like to add as well, just to contextualize a little bit um, also our project uh, or our idea um, that we had back in 2018, because I, like Sarah, you said, I met you um, at a conference in Brussels where um, you presented your work. And I found this very inspirational. And um, we were just on the way to plan our um, upcoming conference um, in Bratislava, which has become now a sort of a, a reference moment um, in ETC's history. And I thought it would be really nice to have your input as an external um, researcher who has expertise, even though not coming from our sector, but to learn from how uh, it works in film and uh, yeah, on television and how gender equality is uh, handled in those areas. And when we listened to your presentation and had the discussions, and that was back at the time in the midst of uh, the Me Too um, conversations, we also heard then from colleagues who came from Ireland who were uh, running the Waking the Feminist campaign, really this um, advice, you have to keep going then even though if you're putting out now um, a code or some sort of um, paper that concludes your good intentions, you need to continue going back to what you set out and, and what you want to achieve and make sure that you have moments to check also on what's going on. And this was after this conference when I came back um, and we were planning our next uh, yeah, steps ahead. I really thought, well, why don't we do this study now? And why don't we work with you? Because we met you, I've seen your energy, also your readiness uh, to do something. Because I think if someone had told us uh, how difficult it is also <laughs> to do a study on a European scale to collect data that is really not collected um, in each of the venues, because there is no system, there is no uh, rule for this now uh, at this, uh, in many of the places, or no policies to do so. Um, Maybe we would have not done it, but um, I think it was wonderful that you accepted this to do and that this allowed us also to bring yeah, a new kind of expertise into our way of professionalizing um, the work that we try to yeah, develop, that we strive really to be part of the discussions uh, in society and yeah, to undertake this endeavor, to look at the current steps uh, the current situation on, on gender in theatre. And what did you find? What were your findings from, from the study? In one word and 30 seconds, I, I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've, well there, there are two, the two parts and we have to, 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 to divide the answer in two parts, actually. In the survey, we mostly find that the, it's not so bad for women. Uh, women have a place in theaters. Um, there is no, not so much horizontal and vertical segregation. What is that? I, I'm not sure everybody understands what it is vertical and horizontal segregation. Um, in general, in professional field, uh, in every sector actually, we can uh, verify that women don't work in every part of uh, 
an organization, for example. Um, in the newsrooms, uh, women tend to have, uh, tend to receive the topics about children, culture, teaching, and things like that. And the male journalist goes to politics, economics, which is the most important in, in, in the society. Everybody knows that. So, um, and I'm joking, of course, uh, because I think culture is the most important topic in, in the society. Uh, and so this is what we call horizontal segregation. In the same population, for instance, journalists, you can see that women have topics and women have, uh, and men have topics. Um, in, in the theater, you can check the horizontal segregation um, by looking at who is uh, working in administration department, who is in technical department, who is in the creative department, and so on. And it was quite okay for women. The vertical segregation is, you know that, uh, manager, directors tend to be male and not women. This is the vertical segregation. The idea that in every sector, once again, once you have the promotion, women tends to not have it and women and men tends to have it. It was quite okay also uh, for the women. So for the women, it's not so bad. I think we have to, to to give some more uh, precise and nuance uh, about that, because I'm not sure it's exactly so good on the field. But for women in the survey, it seems to be quite all right. But it's not so diverse when you check uh, the other diversity factors. Uh, theaters tend to be tend to be white, able, uh, heterosexual place. Um, and there is uh, horizontal and vertical segregation for people who are non-heterosexual, disabled, uh, non-white, and things like that. So I, we can say that for the gender, there is obviously something working on, but for the other diversity, it's not so good. Um, this is for the survey part. Uh, in the program, actually, we find uh, uh, um, the factor is uh, four women, six men, and I'm not so I'm not surprised with that uh, result actually because this is a kind of uh, result we get in TV series, in television, in cinema. There, there is something going on with this four and six out of 10. Um, Gina Davis Institute actually, in, in, uh, for instance, in, uh, in USA, find also 60% of male leading character in cinema. So I'm not surprised uh, about this. Uh, the problem on the program is we have only uh, figures about gender, and we don't have figures about uh, disabilities, uh, ethnic origins, and things like that, because when you read a program, you have names of the people, and the names can give you a clue about their gender. I'm not sure it's always good clue, but most of it, you can you can have clues on the gender, but you don't have clues on disability with a name. Uh, so program are not enough if you want to check the diversity in general, in, in, on the scene, I mean. Mm. Yes, and I think uh, it was very useful for us to see in writing the conclusions of uh, the study, to have a lack of access for women to reach the top hierarchies in theater positions, that there are hidden challenges, uh, that women have less secure contracts in general, less visibility, like you just said, 
There are six men for every four women on theater programs. Inequality is present as well, that men dominate the prestigious uh, positions such as author, director, and technical staff in the theater programs, while women hold up to 70% of the more uh, traditional positions such as uh, costumes and hairdressing. And what I found really impressive uh, was this remarkable impact that you um, distilled as a sort of, um, yeah, as a result of your analysis, that women are more likely to employ a gender balanced cast than men. And um, that this is clearly a trend towards more gender equality uh, uh, within women um, uh, directors uh, than within men. Yeah, as you, one point is very important maybe to underline is, what is the use of doing two parts? Uh, in the research. Why doing a survey and then analyzing the program? In the program, if you open a, a, a program from a theater, what do you get actually? Uh, you don't get so much idea of the shows. This is the reason why we were not able to, um, to work on the topics and the thematics uh, on the scene. We were not able if, even to say um, the 40 percent of women women are they in a leading character or secondary character because we don't know actually what you check in a program is the name of the director the name of the the playwright uh, playwriter the the name of the people who are actor and actresses uh, people who are doing the age racing and everything so it's it's exactly you can say okay what is the use of analyzing that because this is the question you ask uh, in the survey. And actually this is interesting to see um, the gap between uh, who are the people in the theater, where do they work, in which department for instance, and to see who are the people visible in the program because a program, this is what it is actually. Who will you give uh, space to uh, which um, which show, which director, which actor. And you can see there is a gap here because in the survey people say this is okay. And this is also important to understand that this is a declaration of the people, the survey. Um, and in the program, you can see what are the people that are visible and, and uh, make that the theater make visible. And this is a major point actually. And, and this is the, the, the reason why it is important to do the both. And actually um, it is really important to say, I, I say earlier, women are quite okay, but we have to nuance that. And we have, because um, you know, in general, we don't like to say, Okay, I think I'm a victim of discrimination here. So in a survey, generally people tend to lower the problems. And because most of them, most of us, most of us, sorry, we don't want to, to be conscious of what are the stakes actually. Um, and so maybe people tend in the survey, people tend to say it is okay, and they sometimes they don't even put word, they cannot put word on what is the problem. Um, and the second thing that is important to say also is um, I don't think Heidi went with a gun and asked the people to answer. Uh, so I know they were voluntary. And um, 
generally when you answer a survey you answer it because you are already sensibilized and i'm quite sure that the good results um, are probably because most sensibilized people most the theater that works already on, on gender and diversity answer more likely than the other one so this is a, an important point to underline and this is why it is important to have moments where you can do this research this research to talk with the theater and do it again and again and again how do you get these other theatres? I mean, short of holding a gun to their head, but like, how how are there any ways in which you can make it even clearer what the real picture is in in the theatre industry as a whole? Because as you say, it's a little bit skewed. Well, I think it's not an easy answer to that. Actually, um, I think in the research you you never get the real picture. Uh, we have to understand that the research can do, research in general can do things, but we are not magician actually. And we are not here to give the well per, perfect uh, cliche of a moment. Um, I really think that a research also is, is a moment where you can um, evaluate the situation uh, and you can you, you have to read also between the lines and uh, the lines are these theater answers this theater theater answer that and you have to understand that there is something in between um, one of the most important uh, data for me is that a lot of theater Germany is over represented in the survey and in the programs um, and I'm not surprised because well, Germany, we know, has gender uh, policies, and it's not the, the worst country about that in Europe, I think. Uh, and I think there are a lot of uh, um, society talks about uh, around this. So I'm not surprised, but you have then to check which country hasn't answer, uh, which theater has an answer. Um, is there a, a, a fracture be between the old west and old east is there a factor a fracture between the north and the south uh, can we uh, uh, say something about the big theaters and the smaller theaters and i think well you can you can there have some uh, some ideas so the research you you always have to read the research the line and between the lines of the of the results, but then a research is one part, one thing, but it's not the only thing that a, 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 an, organization, a, an organization like ATC is doing. And I think the work that ATC is doing is very important because it's the research, but not only. It's also the code of conduct. It's also um, a topic that come back in every convention, I think, since Bratislava, which is to be the point. And it's it's. It's really a lot, actually. Uh, having a moment two times in a year, um, a, a place where people discuss about it, I think really uh, it, 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 uh, it gives visibility to the topics. It's also an emulation, actually. And I really think that uh, it, it's a major point. Um, and I think that research uh, are useful to that, 
to bring something into visibility. And you know what we say, once you put the, the gender glass, you can never take out those glasses. And I think it's the same for diversity. And I think even if it, they, they don't want to hear it, even if they want to, they don't want to answer the survey, the people who are members of HTC heard about it and they cannot unheard it. Exactly. And I think this is one of the major achievements that we um, accomplished with this study, because obviously there are many things to improve. It's been a starting point. Also, everyone who responded to this um, survey, to the study, did this on a voluntary basis. So there was no obligation to do it. And um, who is um, stripping off the clothes to show this in front of the world about how you look like and where you have all your misfits or, or what needs to be changed? So I think from this point of view, um, yes, we were kind of lucky to have already um, a large number of theatres that knew how to deal with this topic, who was sensitized also in the years before or towards this moment, to mm. be able to talk about it. Because what this also did, this study, was starting to introduce the subject within a certain uh, framework and context um, of making sense because what we've seen as well is that diversity doesn't mean the same thing in each of the countries or what does it mean a diverse um, society is definitely not the same in the Netherlands than in Romania you have different types of migration you have different histories um, the role of women has also a different um, uh, development uh, or there are different connotations and um, this is what we try to um, yeah, accomplish or to put in place a common understanding, a common um, awareness raising also of issues that if we want to remain um, a relevant art form, a relevant place of theatres, of public cultural institutions that are open for everyone, um, where everyone from society feels uh, they are represented in, they need to be seen in the artistic programme. Uh, on stage uh, by the people who will eventually also speak to them through the stories and the narratives in the stories. And this needs to be represented within the people who take the decisions to program and to devise the artistic choices. Um, so it's always about, yes, how diverse are we within the professional uh, people who make the programs and uh, who is the audience, the public who comes. So those three Ps uh, that make up uh, our uh, ecosystem. Um, but therefore, I think it was very important that we had this already um, put down in our diversity action code of conduct, that we look at gender equality and increased diversity amongst the theater staff employees um, to drive this change. We uh, look at gender and diversity that it's reflected across the artistic creation and programming. And then, we look into ways to invest in training to allow equal opportunities for gender and diversity minority groups because it just doesn't happen overnight um, if we once uh, do this study. And uh, also address the equal pay um, issue that this is obviously also something and look at um, internal policies in our venues that there are also guidelines that take each of our uh, yeah, colleagues in charge into the responsibility to check uh, where we stand. Mm. And uh, yeah, for this, um, this, uh, this study, I hope did a bit of inspiration towards the European uh, theatre community, 
but also towards policymakers to see there is um, yeah, an awareness that raises as well and progress that we can start to, to measure and to, to make visible as well to discuss and talk about. Because we've seen a lot happens on national level, but it's not necessarily putting yeah, all the, the changes within the European context. And I think this is where we can come in as a European arts organization, taking European theater as something that is yeah, a key European culture in our um, heritage, uh, in our innovative future as well, where we believe we, we still have a role to play and that this is uh, yeah, simply taken on board. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that I find fascinating about the European Theatre Convention is the fact that it is a network of theatres across all these different countries. And I was really intrigued as to how, like, how much do you sort of think that the different countries can sort of, you know, how when you when you get together for these these meetings, how much do the different countries influence each other, for instance? Or do you think, like, for instance, with this study and the data that you now have how much can do you think each country is going to go and investigate on their own or do you think it's going to be a sort of more of a sharing of oh this is now working for our institution and you share that across or how does it kind of work I think there are to a certain limit some formal ways of exchanging presenting and having a sort of um podium to to share this but then a lot and I think this is also where the power of those kind of network lies is within the informal exchanges within the trust of uh, people that work together and that's also where ETC is a very artistically driven network so having done the study that was first thing for us also to do to provide those kind of technical knowledge in a very structured way um, but what we aim to do is also using this within the work that we uh, initiate, that we discuss, that we um, are proposed by our members. Um, for example, diversity is one of the driving principles now also in our work plans and our programs for the years to come. And um, one example is, for example, in the um, uh, we've got a youth program called Young Europe, which is running now for nearly 12 years, and which has produced in uh, many countries across uh, the globe, um, contemporary youth um, theater productions, new plays um, for young audiences in Europe. And our next edition will focus really on um, devising texts that have this diverse uh, character also that uh, looks at diverse writers. So we're taking on those um, categories and ideas and principles to be reflected then in the international collaboration also. And so there is an automatic exchange in the practices, in the making, in the creation of it. And then on a more, um, again, more structural level, another result of this uh, study was also that we said, well, let's go very um, informally forward also and set up an informal group um, of women directors um, that come together from our various um, member theatres who meet and exchange about their experiences on how easy or difficult it is actually to get to the positions uh, that they would aim to be or where they would be able to do the kind of works that they feel is important so that we can also yeah, empower ourselves through um, yeah this experience and knowledge sharing. 
Well, we're really looking forward to maybe meeting some of those directors in, in future. It's so wonderful that we, we have found each other to partner with and we're really, uh, we feel really lucky um, because that's of course also our mission to sort of connect um, women creatives across not just Europe but across the world and, and sort of have those exchanges. So that's, um, that's really wonderful. I just wanted to ask you, are there any women, alive or dead, um, that have inspired you in your life or in your work? Who starts? Me? <laughs> yes, Sarah. Yes, please, Sarah. <laughs> so many. <laughs> well, AD first. No, yes, no. Um, I always answer Dana Scully. <laughs> this is the easy answer for me um she's a character actually if if some people don't remember remember her she is a um a character in x-files the tv series and um she was the first person she was the first character i saw on screen yes i am i am also quoting tv series i'm sorry but this is my my co-business of course but she's she was the first person i saw on screen she was smart and the main point about her was she's smart she's a scientist and she is as good as the men uh, and most of the time so Sometimes she's even even better than uh, than Fox Mulder, and I remember exactly one night I was look, watching uh, X Files and I was thinking, she's smart, she's uh, bookworm, and she's pretty, and everybody, and I I want to be her, and at that time I just understand that I am her actually. I was the kind of intellectual girl at school, you know. The one that it's not so well, you, you don't ask on a date. Um, and I was thinking, because at that time in the 90s, being smart for a girl was not the, the, the way, to, it wasn't interesting actually. When you watch Beverly Hills, when I into an I don't remember the, the, the figure actually. You were <laughs> Kelly, she was beautiful, or you were the smart girl was the girl with the journal. She was the editor of the journal, but nobody remember her actually. I think it was Andrea. Um, so Dana Scully was the first character that told me you can be smart, you can be an, an intellectual. And you can count, even count for the society and or for the people around you. Um, and since that time, I, I keep quoting Dana Scully because the Gina Davis Institute, once again, maybe I should have answered Gina Davis actually. Uh, Gina Davis Institute made a research because she wanted to verify if there was really a Scully, Dana Scully effect. Uh, because a lot of women uh, scientists, when you ask them, who, who is your role model, they answer than asking. And actually, the Gina Davis Institute made a research, a survey, a survey, and they demonstrated that there is a Damascus effect. And this is not so, well, of course, it's it's a funny thing to say than Ascoli, but actually this is linked to the research and this is linked to this work that ATC is doing. I think working on role model is major. Working on fiction, working on culture is major. And it can give you 20 years after, well, this is Sarah Sobulk professor. So th this is something I really truly think that, that culture, theaters, 
has a major influence on uh, on working on mortalities and and improving the world. So this is also one of the reasons I I, I agree uh, on the research and I decided to put my energy in it because I really think this is important. Yeah, I think actually I just want to tuck in with a question actually before we uh, go to you, Heidi, and hear who your role model is. But uh, I would love to know what practical steps for practitioners and institutions you feel are needed to create better diversity and or equality in theatre. Is there anything that has struck you in the study or just generally that you have as thoughts that, you know, Generally, what strikes me is that people don't even think about it. Mm. They don't. They are not conscious. And once you speak to the people, they begin to to think. You can see that in their eyes. They begin to think, and they begin to say, "Oh my God, I have that." I, I sometimes make formation and then training for journalists or for um, screenwriters in Belgium, and. I can see that process in their eyes. You ask them, what was the last expert you uh, interviewed uh, for your, your news broadcast? And did you have women last week? Um, and, and they begin to think and to say, oh my God, no. And so once people just, when they begin to be conscious, I think, they begin to, to think about what they are doing. And then the next step is to tell them, this is actually a major topic. And if you want to improve the, the quality of your news broadcast, of your uh, uh, movie, of your, uh, I don't know, shows, you have to work on that. And, and um, I think this is the most important things nowadays is to bring this consciousness and the visibility of these questions because we think because well around the table there are four women we are who are probably sensibilized but not everybody knows that not everybody knows that and 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 when you go to the other diversity factors ethnicity disability there is a huge work to do on disabled people actually on their visibility and mediatization and and once once you you begin to be conscious of that you cannot forget it so i think this is the major point my answer will probably be different in five years uh, but nowadays this is my answer uh, to, to teach people. Good. I would say um, once you're conscious, you need to take action again because we have seen talking on all levels in society doesn't really bring any change. And I uh, am by now really also convinced without any instruments, uh, quotas, tools that are to some extent also an obligation to consider, you're not going to... Uh, advance or bring any change so therefore I think there needs to be a consistency within principles guidelines and policies to consider um, those changes listen I wanted to say it's actually really following your uh, practice what you preach um, I think back in 2018 at the Bratislava conference you were told that there were seven men standing at the opening giving speeches and I must admit, it wasn't shocking me at the time, mm -hmm. even though this whole conference was addressing gender diversity, but that's just how it always was. Mm -hmm. But from this moment on, and I think already a year before, but it's all not very long, 
I started hearing from people that we invited really from different sectors to join us saying, look, Heidi, you have to pay attention to this panel constellation. This doesn't work like this. And I was like, well, but we don't find anyone um, to match uh, just to have it uh, placed then with a woman. But this changed ever since 2018. And this is now also a rule that we just have as a principle. We, we're looking at those kind of um, choices that we make to make sure it's a, an even and balanced uh, representation. Mm. And this is where, when you said, start having this consciousness, then you can also start taking uh, yeah, the necessary actions. But this first has to settle in and you, it takes time uh, just to make, um, to make this um, decision also then consciously. Absolutely. Definitely. I mean, it trickles down to all areas, I think, as well. Even, <clears throat> for instance, as directors within your creative team, within your casting, you can, once you're conscious, you can be really consciously deciding how to create it as diverse as possible within your team, within the casting. You can you can be really thoughtful about those things. All right. Yes. And that's where I think this... Um, idea with the triple F um, can be very helpful because then you can just double check, okay, do I have made those choices uh, of a women director, of uh, a women playwright, and who is having the leading role? And then you go through your program and you um, check off, is this now matching or not? And even for us in ETC and the work that we commission with our partners, we're not there yet, but um, it's definitely something that we uh, have to take on board also in being very uh, cautious about those kind of decisions. Mm -mm. It's a really useful tool as well to just have that in the back of your mind. And I think even as an audience member, once you have um, that consciousness and you watch things on, on the telly or in the theater and, and you notice those things, and I think then that is ultimately where you have power as well, because if you make a conscious choice to go and see work that adheres to the standards um, and has, has women creatives in the team and has women on stage or screen, um, then you're voting with your, with your feet, with where you put your money. So that's also a way exactly. in which- Exactly, and this is the next uh, big step to take, to make this visible, to talk about it also, to um, have arguments also why this is, uh, or has been done a conscious choice so that uh, yeah, it's not just hidden uh, in the draw. And I think the same thing also happens now with uh, the topic of sustainability. How are we going to uh, incorporate, it, uh, those, uh, incorporate those changes and how are we taking all those strategic decisions to drive change? And the diversity and sustainability, and I think that's also where we can learn from Europe because uh, I think Europe is quite progressive in certain ways in their new funding programs, just like in the UK. So that's why we're also always looking a bit on those themes um, across um, the channel. But the, the EU has now put those kind of principles in the funding programs. So we all have to uh, consider this. It's not there yet on national level, but I'm sure it will come as well. So this is also where I believe as a European organization, we have a role to play to to inspire and to, to function as a role model. Um, Heidi, can, can we also ask you the question about which um, women inspire you? Yes, <laughs> I was thinking about this. Um, and my answer is not 
that straightforward as it was for, for Sarah, who is the expert here in the room. Um, I think um, I was definitely inspired and very much um, formed by Victoria Chaplin, uh, with whom I worked and who set up her own um, production um, work uh, and directing work as a woman rather late in her career. But I've seen what is possible if you have the will and the energy to do this and if you are convinced that you can do it, even there are obstacles and uh, it's not easy around you. And this has driven me uh, in all my um, professional life afterwards. And um, I can see now also ever since this topic becomes more present in debates uh, on the surface also. Um, and also thanks to initiatives like yours, giving it a voice, which I think is very important, that we yeah, start to have a change of models as well. Because I was thinking beforehand, well, I'm now very much inspired by the people around me who have put in uh, this new informal networking group, like Iris Laufenberg, who is the designated first women director of the German theater, Deutsches Theater, um, to take this leadership. And uh, we have been talking with um, Selima Cartmel from the Gates Theater, who has been the first woman to run this theater. And having heard their thoughts on the themes and their openness also about it, I think this has given a new uh, impetus or a new drive also that things are possible. And another woman who will be in line working with us in this field is Maria Aberg. I must admit, I haven't seen any works of her yet, but I'm very eager to do so. But everything that I've seen and following that she has been done in the last um, year um, to put her work forward, to set up her own um, company, to also inspire people around her. Uh, I think this is what we need. Uh, women just who go forward for what they believe uh, is important to do and that they're not hold back because they are women. Uh, I've, you know, obviously really love what European Theatre Convention is doing and been, you know, researching and looking at all the different things that you're doing and all the different things theatres that your member theatres are doing. And I just wondered in terms of like individuals and freelancers or smaller companies, how can they perhaps get involved with European Theatre Convention? You know, is there, is it possible to be involved? How does that work? Yes. It is. Um, there are many ways. Um, obviously, our main partners are the public theatre venues. They are, first of all, the employees and the producers and the programmers also of works from companies, from artists. They are the ones engaging and uh, commissioning works to, to them. And then we also, as a network, we have a lot of uh, programmes that um, are open for uh, artists to participate. We've got an artist in residency program to spend um, six to eight weeks in one of our member theatres to follow the processes, to, to meet people, to network, to, to build your own network. We've got a European Theatre Academy that takes place in Avignon, which is also open for uh, individual artists, freelancers coming from all sorts of different backgrounds who wish to pursue their international career and who will meet then also representatives from uh, our member theatres who are in charge of internationalizing their works. So I think our goal also in um, across the various programs and works that we do is to connect the creative people working in the sector and the means that we have through uh, the theatre venues and the positions that we are in to create the most diverse program and 
give opportunities and chances for um, artists to access this. Fantastic. So exciting. It's really great. Well, it's so lovely to meet you and, and thank you um, for coming and having a fizzy chat with us. Thank and you for the conversation. Yes, and I look forward to our continuous exchanges and to hear more work and narratives um, representing more women and more diversity on stage. Thanks so much for listening to the Fizzy Sherbet podcast. If you are interested in finding out more about what we're up to, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and you can also look up our website, fizzysherbetplays.com. If you are a writer, actor or director and are interested in getting involved in our next season, please do send us a message by the 7th of August. You can find all the information on how to submit a play and how to get involved on our website. And if you like what we're up to and you just like to support us, you can also buy us a coffee on buymeacoffee forward slash fizzy sherbet. And you will also find that information on our website. Thank you very much.